Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a week nine edition of Chargers Weekly. We have an awesome episode ahead. Kevin Harlan of CBS Sports joins me to preview Chargers Seahawks. We'll also get this week's opposing view from Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. Chargers radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah checks in and explains why the Bolts are 5-2. and two. But first, the professor, John Clayton, provides an early look at this AFC playoff picture and gives a primer for Sunday's clash in Seattle. All right, it's a treat for me to welcome in our first guest, one of the best football writers in this business, the great John Clayton joins me on Chargers Weekly. And John, first, very appreciative of your time. I want to spin around the league today and also get into your new website, ClaytonFootball.com. But let's start with the Chargers Seahawks, though. You're a, you're a host on ESPN 710 in Seattle. You also work the sidelines for Seahawks Radio. What are folks in the Pacific Northwest saying about this matchup, John? Uh, it's, it's, it's well. I think there's a little trepidation because I think they're worried about uh, Philip Rivers because Philip's having one of his best seasons. And of course, if you go back to the preseason game, I mean, he looked really sharp in that game against Seattle's defense. And so I think that you know this is a stretch where you know it's the toughest stretch of the year for the defense because they've got five games against franchise caliber quarterbacks. Now they survived the first one by really doing a good job on Matthew Stafford, limiting to about 105 yards in the first half and having a two touchdown lead. Pretty much through the entire game, so that was step. They checked off the first box, but now after this, they've got Philip Rivers, they've got Jared Goff for the second time, then uh, you got Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton. So it's a, a tough stretch that they're facing, and that's I think what they're a little bit worried about because uh, you know they realize that Philip can put up 300 yards with ease, but the one thing that uh, they can counter with. Their defense has turned out to be much better than anybody expected. Yeah, you know, and that, I want to get to that, John, because there was a lot of expectations for a lot of teams, but the Seahawks, I feel like expectations were tempered a little bit. What's been the bigger surprise in your eyes, the way that this offensive line has played in the running game and in protecting Russell Wilson after those first two games, or the play of the defense? I think a combination of both. I mean, certainly the the offensive line has been a major surprise because it, it was in the dumpster for two years. I mean, it was a, a real bad blocking. Pro football focus had it rated as the off, worst offensive line, and it wasn't too far off. I mean, Russell Wilson had to basically run around and scramble just to make any kind of a play, and the protection was bad, the running was bad, and they, they've got good running talent, and I think that comes out right now with what's happened on the offensive line. Mike Solari's come in and just done a remarkable job. And then DJ Fluker and uh, J.R. Sweezy are the two guys that got uh, start got this thing started in week three. You know, uh, Fluker missed the first two games, and you know he's got that injury history. And then uh, Sweezy, who'd never played uh, left guard, uh, had to go over and play left guard, and uh, all of a sudden everything clicked. Since that time, they've been averaging 158.5 yards a game rushing, and they're physical. Uh, DJ Fluker has been uh, as impactful of a player that they've added in the last couple of years. I mean, he's been sensational and he's brought an attitude to the offensive line. Mike Solari's done a great job of coaching it. So that's, you know, the check, they check that box. Then of course you look on the defensive side, you know, they basically in one year went from eight pro bowl players on defense as starters to two. And then, of course, one of those was K.J. Wright, and he missed the first six games. Yet, the secondaries come together. Uh, it's a different legion of boom. They're physical. They play well. Pass rush is still a little bit shaky. Linebacking core is pretty good shape. And so a, a team that I think on the outside, many people thought was going to be a 5-6 win team. I thought it was going to be a 9-win team, and now it's performing like a 9-win team. 
Yeah, and you know, Russell Wilson, a big part of that, and I think it's foolish to ever be surprised by what Russell Wilson does, but look at last week, perfect quarterback rating, and it looks like the running game in Russell Wilson's performance really does go hand in hand, John. No question, and basically, because again, this is still a reset. I mean, is this a Super Bowl team? No, but they have a chance to be a playoff team as a wild card, and the reason is Russell Wilson, because when you have a top quarterback like that, it's rare that you have a losing season. Because, you know, this combination, I went through this from like 2008 and on. There's only been about five examples of a team that uh, has a top seven, top five quarterback, wherever you want to put them, uh, that they had a losing record. And that's, of course, uh, when your defense gives up 28 to 29 points a game, you don't have a running game. Well, they have a running game. And the thought was they would have a running game because they have the emphasis on the run. And their defense, I thought, was going to be a 23-point-a-game defense. As long as you don't give up more than 25, you should be able with a top quarterback to win nine. That's why I had the projection at nine wins, and right now they're on path to be able to do that uh, because, again, their defense is allowing less than 20 points a game. They've got the 158.5 yards a game rushing in the last five games. And so uh, you, you throw in Russell Wilson, you know, that's a, it's a pretty good combination. John, let's flip it to the Chargers because they're looking for their first six and two start since 2006. And Phillip Rivers, a guy that you've covered from the beginning, what can you say about his start to the 2018 season? 17 touchdowns to just three interceptions. He's taking care of the football, and he's got this one-two punch in the backfield in Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've liked this team, although I made the one mistake because I, I projected the Chargers to win the division. What I didn't anticipate was Patrick Mahomes to have his start. <laughs> you and a lot of people, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, because my, my thought was going to be, okay, Kansas City's going to drop back a little bit because, you know, they're going to, they've lost a lot on defense, you know, Marcus Peters, you know, they lose Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson and their defense has dropped back. What I thought they would also take a drop back on for a temporary was Mahomes filling in for Alex Smith because you know Alex last year was playing at an MVP level. What I didn't anticipate is from the first play of the first game of the season, Patrick Mahomes would be playing like an MVP candidate. And so that's why I had the Chargers winning the division, and I didn't know if I was going to have Kansas City in the playoffs. But now I think you can see that both teams are going to be playoff bound, and I'm not surprised because I, you know, Phillip Rivers, I've always liked him. I think that uh, you know he's always been a great quarterback. And then, of course, you throw in that the defense is better, and there's certainly offensive weapons. In fact, I know being on the sidelines, because what I do on the sidelines is that I do the opposing team. And so I was on the Chargers sideline uh, you know, watching everything there, and uh, I, I thought that the Chargers receiving group was one of the deepest I've seen in the league. They really are, and they got the size, too. You look at Keenan Allen, who, who's probably a top five receiver in this league in terms of route running and everything he's able to do. But then you got these guys in Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams. Tyrell Williams, the last two games, 236 yards and three touchdowns. And one of the things I noticed with that secondary with the Seahawks, shine, they've been playing really well. Marvin Jones was able to get behind him a couple of times, one, I believe, for a 39-yard touchdown. Yeah, but that was one of the – just a mistake by Tedrick Thompson because mm. he – as a and really he's only what four starts into his career, but he's really good, uh, and that, they're going to have mistakes like that, and that's something that Philip Rivers can take advantage of because there is so much youth in the secondary. But one thing that has happened, particularly over the last three four weeks, is that the uh, the group has come together and I uh, got an identity because they're very physical. I mean, they they had two games where uh, they knocked out uh, four wide receivers with concussions. I mean, the, the, and four in two games. And uh, Bradley McDougal has become a force at safety because he's very good in coverage. 
He is uh, very physical. I mean, he's not Cam Chancellor, but uh, he's physical enough. And with Tedrick and also uh, McDougal, I mean, they can they can come back and enforce things and make you kind of not want to go in the middle of the field. Then on the other side of it, the two young cornerbacks, Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers. Now, remember, Trey Flowers was a safety in college, but he had studied Richard Sherman's tape for so long because he wanted to be a cornerback, and so he fit in very well, and he's exceeded all expectations. He's a fifth-round pick, and he's playing great because not only has he been very good in coverage, but also he's very physical, and he comes up both like Griffin does, and they're very well in run support. And so uh, it's really a, it's a different group. I mean, it's not the Legion of Boom, but there's still some boom there. You know, speaking of that Legion of Boom, John, another big storyline in this game, Gus Bradley returns to Seattle, one of the leaders of that Legion of Boom secondary when he was a defensive coordinator. Uh, how much do you think the familiarity on both sides will play a role in this game? I think it will because, again, I think you know, they know each other so well, and I know that uh, Gus slowly getting the type of players that he was working with here in Seattle, I'm a little bit of a bigger cornerback, although that's not really the total mix right now. But I think that you can see that they, they know, they respect each other, and uh, it'll help. Although the one thing that's a little bit different is that uh, Ken Norton Jr., who he worked with as a linebacker coach, is now the defensive coordinator, and he's made some adjustments uh, in the defense because they blitz a little bit more than they did when Gus was here. Year. They uh, have great linebacker play because Norton is so good developing linebackers and establishing linebackers. But I think the familiarity is going to be something that uh, is going to be good. But also there's such great respect that each side has for each other. No doubt. John, let's flip it to some general storylines. I don't remember seeing this much movement at the NFL trade deadline. I almost felt like it was a, an NBA or Major League Baseball trade deadline on Tuesday. Uh, why do you think there was more movement this year than in past years? Well, I mean, in 2012, they made the wise move of taking the trade deadline from week six to week eight. I still think they should take it to week 10, and it could be even more dramatic, and oh, yeah. it could be more beneficial, because <clears throat> what happens now is that you have teams like the Giants, the Raiders, they've already checked out. I mean, they knew they weren't going to be playoff teams because they're sitting there one and six, one and seven, and so they start to get some draft choices for next year to try to build things back. Then, of course, what you also have is more general managers giving up on draft choices that uh, they've had that are still in their rookie contracts, or at least if, if not in their rookie contracts, they're in their 50-year options. And so they get more trades. I think it was like 36 drafted players in either the first five years of their careers that were traded in the 99 trades. You have more younger general managers that are willing to make trades and make decisions like that. And then there's such a uh, kind of a trend that uh, you know more GMs are giving up on some of the draft choices if they know they're not going to get them to second contracts. And so you throw all that together and uh, you get 99 trades, more than the 93 that was there last year, but that's certainly more than the 50 or 55 that it used to be on uh, the trade deadline and before. I think I heard Peter King talk about this, the ability to trade compensatory picks now. Do you think that plays a role in, in some of the movement as well? Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, you look at the, and also knowing that you can get, you, you're having the compensatory picks. Like, for example, you knew that Philadelphia and the Rams were going to do something because uh, each have third round 
two, two, or at least one or two third-round compensatories next year. And so, so here's the Rams. They trade their third-round pick, but they know they had two compensatories. That's why they had to put the condition on the trade yesterday to make sure that Sammy Watkins and uh, you know, Trumaine Johnson play enough that they get the third-round picks. And so there's a provision in there if both those guys don't get third-round picks that they have to recompensate. But in the end, I think that that does play a factor. And the fact that now you can trade compensatory picks you know, has added to the ability to make trades. John, we're at the, almost at the halfway point, and the AFC playoff picture, it's starting to take shape a little bit. How do you see this thing shaking out towards the back half of the season as we approach Week 9? Well, I think clearly there's going to be two teams from the AFC West, uh, with right now the Chiefs having the edge of winning the division. It's starting to look like Pittsburgh starting to reemerge in the AFC North, and that not no surprise there, although, again, their big challenge is that second game coming up this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, you look in the AFC East, I mean, it's the same picture. It's always the New England Patriots. Yep. And so right now you get the Patriots and the Chiefs on with the top two seeds. And then in the South, I mean, you kind of lean toward Houston because of the five wins that they've had, but also remember their five wins weren't against winning teams. And so I think that uh, they're going to be good enough in a division right now that you probably only need nine that they should be able to go. But now the question is, can Houston get to 10 wins and get higher than a fourth seed? John, we'll get you out of here on this new venture for you, ClaytonFootball.com. And you got some really smart football minds as a part of this. Joel Corey, Matt Williamson, to name a couple. Uh, tell us about the site and how fans can get their free trial. Yeah, I mean, it's great just go, to go to ClaytonFootball.com and you know, get in there and uh, you know, sign up. But the big thing is that what I wanted to do and had the opportunity to do is kind of you know, go to the roots of what I did at ESPN, which is basically get down to the basics. You know, go ahead and do the transactions, the injuries, the salary cap stuff, the financial stuff, and then also you know, really hit on the trends. And so that's what we do. And so we try to hit on all those different things on a, on a daily basis and have a lot of fun with it. And so you know, we get the injuries with David Chow. You know, we've got uh, Joel doing the uh, salary stuff, and of course, I do a lot of salary stuff too. You know, because I'll be doing projections on free agency and that, and that's going to be the fun part of all this because you know the energy is to kind of go to the basics, and that's what I think you know a lot of fans want to find out. It's like, okay, what's the next move? Why did this move happen? And what's it going to mean? And what's it going to do in perspective? So that's what we do at ClaytonFootball.com. ClaytonFootball.com charges fans. Check it out. Get your free trial. There's a lot of football information out there, but the collection of minds that you guys have put together, uh, probably second to none here. John, I can't thank you enough for your time. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you up in Seattle. Okay, Chris, looking forward to it. All right, before we get to Kevin Harlan, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the Los Angeles Chargers. And when I'm not recording, I tell you every week, these are my go-to wireless headphones. To help me black out noise, I'll use them on the team playing this weekend to Seattle so I can concentrate on my game prep and, of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. All right, my next guest will be on the call in Seattle along with Rich Gannon and Steve Tasker as the Chargers look to go 6-2 and two on the season. One of the very best, Kevin Harlan of CBS Sports joins me. And Kevin, it's always a pleasure, sir. How you doing? Chris, doing great. Great to be on. I'm anxious to see the Chargers for the first time this season. We had them a lot last year. I mean, I think we had them like three, four broadcasts last year. That's this right. Our, we're halfway through the season. The first time I'm seeing them, so... 
I'm anxious to see them, and they're off to a great start. They've stayed relatively healthy, and Rivers is playing so well. It, it should be a terrific game against a, a Seattle team, which has kind of turned their fortunes around in midseason. They've done a good job, so it should be a terrific game. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, and you're right. It's hard to believe we're in week nine. We haven't seen you yet, and you're all over the place, Kevin. I'm always in all of your, your broadcast schedule, especially with the NBA rolling right now. What's the next week or so look like for you? Well, uh, Portland, I'm in Portland right now as we, as we uh, do this broadcast, do this interview uh, for a TNT NBA game Thursday, uh, fly back to Kansas City. Our daughter is expecting any day, and so oh, I'm going to go back just in case she is, uh, she's ready to deliver, and then I'm going to fly back up to Seattle uh, from our home on, uh, on Saturday, do the game on Sunday fly back to Kansas City on Sunday night, fly to Dallas Monday morning for Cowboys and Tennessee Titans. And uh, to be quite honest, I'm not sure what I've got next week. I, I think I'm going to uh, I think I'm going to Los Angeles for the Clipper basketball game, then to Green Bay on for next Sunday, Miami and the Packers, we've got that. And then um, I think I'm out in San Francisco for the Giants and the Niners. I think that's my next couple of weeks. Oh my! But I could have a team. I could have a team or location wrong someplace. <laughs> I tell you, Kevin. That's. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm in all of, all of this schedule, and it'll be awesome to have you in Seattle on Sunday. And I, th- I think it's a treat for all of us. You got two hot teams. You mentioned Seahawks have won four or five. Chargers have won four straight. Two hot quarterbacks. Uh, what about this matchup? Do you gravitate towards at first glance? Well, I love the quarterbacks. Uh, Rivers and his durability has been um, amazing, never missing a start. Um, Russell Wilson's the same way. He is playing so great right now, and um, I, I just I, I think it, it just kind of kind of begins with the quarterbacks as it usually does. Rivers is um, uh, the the thing that that I I'm just amazed at. I'm actually watching a little bit of tape as we speak is just how a, a muddied-up pocket, a chaotic pocket, doesn't seem to, you know, rile him at all. He, he keeps his composure. He's, he can throw from a different angle in terms of, of where his arm is going to come through or around or over a defender. Um, never seems to blink with a lot of guys around his feet, arms and hands and helmets and everything else in his way, and somehow – he, he squeezes that ball out of there and, and makes it go. I mean, it's just, it's just, a, he's, he's in a foxhole and he's, he's constantly, you know, fighting and digging and throwing and, and, and he just, I just love the competitor. I mean, the other thing is that when he does see that it's a dying effort and there's nobody open and his time is running out, he is not afraid to throw it away. Mm-mm. And I guess those are, you know, we're, we're talking so much about Mahomes and we're talking about Rogers and we're talking about these quarterbacks with, with all these different things going on, that there are things that Rivers does that they can't do. And, and I like that about his game. I, I've always been a huge admirer of Phillip and, and um, now he's, it looks like he's got, you know, around him, a, some great momentum, which in the past, finding momentum early in the season has been tough for this team to do. Well, you know, Kevin, you answered my next question because I was going to ask you what impresses you about this 2018 version of Phillip Rivers. And you're right, he's making his 200th career start on Sunday. But 
nine times. He's only been sacked nine times. Drew Brees and him, that's the fewest in the league. And the offensive line has done a good job. But to your point, he's done a really good job under pressure, whether it's getting rid of the football, knowing where to to go with the football, or just throwing it away. I think that combination of the offensive line led by Mike Pouncey and and Phillips' ability to just throw the football away when you need to has really helped this offense. Yeah, and last week you only had Eckler in the backfield, and I say only, I said, but but they didn't have Melvin because of, of the injury. And when they played in London a couple of weeks ago against against uh, the Tennessee Titans, so um, you know even when guy uh, there may be a guy down, um, he'll find another way. Now they're obviously not getting much from Antonio Gates, and I think we all get a have a pretty good feel of of where he is in his career and, and what he can and cannot do at this age. But there's a big, long touchdown pass to Williams. They had the long touchdown pass uh, to Keenan Allen. And, you know, those guys stay healthy. And the guile of Rivers continues to be the way it's been, which I have no reason to believe it won't continue that way. Um, uh, I, I, I like so much about what they're doing. And when Gordon comes back, he makes the job so much easier for Phillip in that offense. So I'm, um, I've always been an admirer of his. You know, there's been a lot of talk here lately about will he be the, a Hall of Fame guy? Will he get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You know, he's, he's not had the, the great postseason run, and, but his numbers individually are fantastic. And the great thing about the Hall of Fame is there's a combination of players who benefited greatly from being on good teams constantly, were surrounded by the best talent, and then thus their level was raised. There have been other players like Phillip who perhaps have not had the best talent around them, Hall of Fame talent. The teams have not been all that good or consistently good, and certainly postseason playoff good, and, and they're in there. So the, the great thing for Rivers, I think, is, is that uh, th- there is room for everybody, but his numbers are undeniable, and his longevity is a credit to the way he prepares and keeps his body ready to go. And um, and I, I just think he's a very special player to watch. He really is. 17 touchdowns, just three interceptions this season. And he may have the most complete team around him that he's had in some time, uh, Kevin. Maybe maybe even ever. You look at the, the offensive balance. You can win in a variety of ways. You mentioned against the Titans. You win 2019 on a couple of quick strikes, one to Tyrell Williams, one to Mike Williams. You didn't have Melvin Gordon in there, but you've proven you, you, can win it, you can win that way. And then when Melvin's in there, you know he's been able to milk the clock a little bit, control time of possession. So depending on the Sunday, the Chargers have a, a few ways that they could play and ultimately be successful. It starts with taking care of the football, though. It does, and they're playing a very efficient team in Seattle their quarterback, Russell Wilson, is unbelievably efficient. He is. Uh, Seattle has discovered a ground game, and now they are running the ball. Their offensive linemen have basically stayed healthy, so there's cohesion there, and thus it's helping give time to Wilson and give some running room for Chris Carson, their running back. Um, they have discovered a third receiver, uh, in addition to Doug Baldwin, who's kind of their headliner. Um, they've, they've, uh, you know, been, been able to withstand the storm on the defensive side by, you know, gathering the pieces and putting them in there in place of Earl Thomas, who has been lost for the season. And, you know, Seattle is, is really kind of in mid season, turn their fortunes around and they have not rebuilt 
which they really had in front of them. They just kind of retooled mm-hmm. what they have. And that has been very impressive as well. They, they've, they've done a great job in kind of bringing back what I think Pete Carroll really believes in. And that is running the ball and playing good defense. And they're doing both. And then they've got Russell Wilson, who to me is one of the top five quarterbacks in football. He's just, he's a magnificent uh, gamer. He um, has, I was talking with Rich Gannon the other day about quarterbacks that he kind of reminds you of. And you kind of get in that, that Roger Staubach, Fran Tarkington, I think discussion Mm. when, when dealing with Russell, because of the way he moves, uh, the accuracy he shows, he rarely makes a big mistake, and he, he really he's invaluable. I mean, he's like he's like Philip is for the for the Chargers. I mean, you just you just can't even imagine what your team would be without them. And luckily, these two teams, who are both playing very well right now, uh, have these quarterbacks that they have counted on, and the quarterbacks, I guess, to nobody's surprise, are delivering. You take out the first two weeks too, Kevin. And when he, I think he was sacked maybe six times in in each of the first two games. Take that out. They have protected Russell Wilson. You can run the football, and, and it just makes him that much more dangerous when they can run the football the way that they're running it with Chris Carson. Yeah, they they've been able to kind of figure out you know what they are. They didn't have. I saw him on a Monday night in Chicago very early in the season. That's right, week two, and. I, yeah, th- 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 there there was really nothing uh, that, that stood out about. It. There was nothing dynamic. And then, um, you know, I guess the credit really goes to Carroll here is that and and the trust they had and the players they had, and that they they've lost guys to free agency. They've lost guys to uh, contract issues and and unable to pay them, and they've had to let guys go, namely Richard Sherman. And, you know, they've been able to stick guys in there that have made a difference that continue to, you know, really, you know, find a way to, to, to fill that void and are growing in their own space. They're growing as, as they were, you know, supposed to grow and and the way that their general manager, John Snyder and, and Pete Carroll, their coach saw them. Um, So they've got a big offensive line it had been criticized over the last couple of years. It was a couple high draft picks on there, but the, but they've really been able to kind of mold into a nice unit this year. It, it's not a great offensive line, but it's been good enough. And I think you find in the NFL that if your offensive line is good enough, uh, that's good enough for the offense. It doesn't have to be a great offensive line. And some, you know, some have, have that, but um, I, I just think that um They've had to play defense a little bit differently because Chancellor's not there and Sherman's not there and Thomas isn't there. So the secondary has had to play a little little bit differently. They're not quite as aggressive as they once were. Uh, more too deep now coverage. Um, you know, perhaps they're concerned a little bit on the back end, but but uh, that comes with transition and always probably a weary eye to something that is not fully established. And I think that's kind of where their secondary is. They've got two terrific linebackers and KJ Wright and and Bobby Wagner, they're they're sensational, and uh, and some decent guys on their on their defensive line um, that that have that have been uh, you know kind of n- nice additions, and uh, all told they've you know they've they, they've really put together a, a nice team now. If it's a championship team, I don't know that, and I don't think they even know that. I think they're still retooling and tweaking as they go along, but um, kind of unlike the Chargers, 
who have had talent and then they've lost them to injury. And so they've had to find different ways and it's taken them a while to kind of catch up with the void created by that injury. The Seattle team has drafted and signed guys off the street. They've stuck kind of to, to what their philosophy is. And just now they've begun to really kind of see some, some relevance in, in the decisions they've made and some production in the guys they've got. Kevin, last thing for you. You said something last year that has really stuck with me, and I believe is so true. I think you said something to the effect of you really don't know who's good in this league until you know mid-October, going into November. And you've called a lot of AFC games, obviously, this season. As we do get into November and teams start to take shape, how would you assess this AFC at this point? Well, the Chargers in the West, I know, were favored going in, and then I don't think anybody predicted how could they, what Mahomes has done in Kansas City, and I think we knew they were a good team, but they're, they've got a liability on defense. They're bad. Their defense is number 32, and it's been the 32nd-ranked defense all season long. And the fear, if you're a Chiefs fan, is that you've got this explosive, powerful offense that can put up 40 a game if they need to, and they've just about done that. But that boy, if you've got to rely on that, just outscoring the opponent all the time. You're going to need your defense to make a stop here or there. Now, last week against Denver in the game that Rich and I did, um, they got some nice performances. D Ford had three sacks, and uh, they got some nice play in the back end, and, and they beat the Denver Broncos, which I think, I think Denver's a very solid team. Not great by any means, but, but they're, they're no pushover and better than I think the record indicates. Um, and last week was kind of a transformative game for them. I think they I think they felt had they won last week at Kansas City, they were back in the saddle and they didn't. And now you saw the Demarius Thomas deal. So they may be looking uh, now in, in different ways with five losses and knowing that the Chargers and the Chiefs both are going to be very tough to catch up to. So in that division, you know, the two teams you thought would be there, certainly the Chargers are answering everybody and uh, the Chiefs are the big surprise in terms of what the quarterback has done. We know that Pittsburgh is good. They just think they've been they just they're hard time getting traction, mm-hmm. and and that's going to be uh, kind of the story to watch in the North. Cleveland, we thought might do something. Cincinnati got a good start, but they've been exposed a little bit. So, um, you know, they've they've kind of found some ways to win. But Cincinnati and Pittsburgh look to be the two teams there. And I just saw New England on Monday night, and at the beginning of the season they were one and two, and Miami had surged ahead to a four and zero start. I think people kind of thought like, wait a minute here. Um, uh, is this a changing of the guard? Is 41 too old for Brady? And you know what? We should just look at ourselves in the mirror and say, don't say that stupid. Because, <laughs> because every year they start slow. Exactly. Every year they figure, figure it out. And every year they end up very strong. And here we are. And like you said, we always talk about the middle of October to the end of October, finding out what you are. Belichick always, by that time, has figured out through five, six, seven games what he's got. And, and does it accordingly. So New England is in that division. So when you talk about, you know, these different divisions in the South, I just, I don't even know where to begin there, but Houston has had this great turnaround and they've been fun to watch. And I think we need yeah, to man. give Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, just a little bit of time after blowing a knee last year. And it, it's taken him some time to kind of get back, which he has done and they're playing well. So wide open in the AFC, NFC, certainly with the team that you share that city with the, the Rams, um, they're terrific. I saw them two weeks ago against San Francisco, and they're great. So mm. as you uh, as you canvas things right now, we're about halfway through, uh, and, and it's as thrilling as we thought it would be. It's been a lot about football this year and not a lot about some other outside issues, and that's been very enjoyable. 
and I hope it continues to what I think is going to be a terrific finish of this season. And it's going to continue on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks for the Chargers, then go 6-2 and two for the first time since 06 when they finished 14-2 and two under Marty Schottenheimer. The great Kevin Harlan. Kevin, I know how busy you are, probably the busiest guy in this business, so I can't thank you enough for your time, and I really look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Great, Chris. Thank you. Always great being on with you, and um, we are uh, bullish on the Chargers. We like this team a great deal, Rich and I do, and our our crew is anxious to see him for the first time, and I hope it's not the last time this season. My feeling is they're going to continue the way they are, and, and Rivers will be at the very forefront of that attack, and it's good to see good guys win like that. I've, I've got profound respect for, for Phillip as a, as a player, but, but especially as a person. He's a, he's a quality guy. He's a great guy to look up to if you're a young guy looking for stars in this league, and he represents a lot of the good things about the NFL. Competitive spirit, good man off the field. Uh, a lot to like there. The Charger team has been a terrific watch so far, and I think it'll continue throughout the rest of the season. No doubt. Philip is first class, and so are you too, Kevin. Thank you so much. Chris, thank you. Take care. All right, guys, quick break. want to tell you about a rare chance for you and a guest to join the Chargers on the field before kickoff. You get two tickets to a game and a special VIP meet and greet with our guys, NFL analysts Matt Money-Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Enter for the chance to win the Backstage Chargers prize pack by going to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. No purchase necessary. It's open to Southern California area residents 18 and over. This ends January 10th, 2019. Again, go to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. All right, to get this week's opposing view, Bob Condota of the Seattle Times joins me. And Bob, we've got a big-time matchup between two hot teams at CenturyLink Field. But I want to start last Sunday in Detroit. Seahawks went to Ford Field. They beat the Lions 28-14. And it looks like this was a game that was won in the second quarter. Yeah, for sure. Um, It did not start out well. For Seattle, they had to punt on their first series. And then Detroit drove, I think, 91 yards for a touchdown the first time they had the ball. 39-yard touchdown pass on a third and 10. The Seahawks just totally misplayed it. Had a chance to sack Stafford. He got away. Um, receivers just broke wide open, bo- uh, broken coverage Marvin Jones. So um, it all looked bad at that point. But uh, the Seahawks then completely dominated. Yeah, the rest, uh, you know, the, it was their next drive. It actually uh, ended in the second quarter, but they got the ball, drove right down the field, scored, forced a fumble on the ensuing kickoff, uh, took that in and scored. So they suddenly led 14-7 to without Detroit having run another play. Uh, held Detroit, got the ball right back. There was sort of a controversial third down. Um, did he catch? or did he not that went Seattle's way and scored another touchdown and, and in some ways that was that yeah it led 21-7 at the half um used another pretty long drive to make it 28-7 and um Detroit tried a little tried to come back the Seahawks sort of went you know their soft defense like NFL teams do and gave up a bunch of yards in the fourth quarter but uh forced turnovers um a couple times when Detroit got into Seattle um um in, in the Seattle territory and all that, we're able to hang on. So yeah, I, I think all in all, it was probably Seattle's best game of the year. The way they uh, the way they ran the ball, the way they helped Detroit run down, um, the way they sort of uh, got the better special teams as well. It was just a really complete performance by the Seahawks. You know, Bob, they started their first seven games five on the road to start. You're, you're four and three at this point. Pete Carroll and company, they got to be thrilled with where they are based on how they started the season and, and just how they've really improved each and every week. Yeah, they really are. Uh, you know, I've covered the team since 2013, the year they won the Super Bowl. And this is, as I think, happy as I've seen Pete Carroll. I, I, you know, there was a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of kind of 
uh, muted expectations for the team this year, uh, certainly nationally after uh, so many of the big name guys that, you know, they sort of made decisions to get to, to part ways with either through trade or not re-signing or whatever. And I, I think a lot of Seahawks fans locally were sort of skeptical about how good the team was going to be. I think nationally there was even more skepticism. Um, but, you know, Pete has sort of maintained all along that he, he sort of liked the, you know, a lot of young guys that uh, kind of thought they were getting back maybe to where they were seven or eight years ago when they sort of had a young, hungry group. But, you know, the difference being now, you know, you have an established quarterback and Russell Wilson to build it around. So, um, you know, when they started out 0-2, you know, both those games were, 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 were winnable games, especially the Denver game. They, they sort of let that one really get away at the end. Um, and, uh, you know, but since that 0-2 start, yeah, they've won 4 or 5 with the only loss being the, uh, being the game against the Rams that they, uh, that they, uh, um, didn't, um, that got away right at the very end. So yeah, it was a, uh, it's, it's been a really good five game structure. Yeah, Russell Wilson, perfect quarterback rating against the Lions. He's got 16 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. But it's really the running game, Bob, that's been the surprise this season. They enter week nine, fifth in the league in rushing, and it's led by Chris Carson, not their their first-round draft pick, Rashad Penny. If someone told you that this Seahawks team would be fifth in rushing entering week nine and it wouldn't be Rashad Penny, would, would that be a surprise to you? Uh, it, it wouldn't have been a complete shock, just uh, maybe I'm too close to the team. I mean, you know, they really liked Carson. He, he was their starter last year when he got hurt. Part of why they drafted Penny was because they've had so much trouble keeping any running back healthy really since, you know, people try to figure out what happened, why didn't they keep winning Super Bowls and all that, and point to dissension after the after the after the interception and everything. But part of what happened, too, is Marshawn Lynch got hurt. You know, he got hurt in the third game of the 2015 season and was never really the same. And ever since then, uh, the last the last two years after that as well, they've really struggled to put together a running game. And Pete Carroll was really adamant in the offseason that they were going to get back to running the ball. And, you know, they changed their offensive coordinator, changed their offensive line coach. They did both that, hired guys that had – really strong running game, um, running games in their background. And, and with that as a foundation and Pete's been saying it from the minute they did that, that we're going to get back to running the ball and we're going to be good at this, you know, whether, uh, if, if it kills us. And so I think part of drafting Penny, and, and I know that's going to be a really controversial pick, probably highly debated if he doesn't play a whole lot, but they, uh, they just wanted to make sure they had enough healthy running backs because they've really struggled with that ever since uh, the 2014 season, just having anybody who could who could stay healthy at that position and productive for more than a couple games. So I think they just felt like they wanted to load up at the running back spot. So Carson was a guy they really liked. You know, he won the starting job going into last year, but then he broke his ankle um, in the fourth game and was out for the year, and, and that sort of led to another running game tailspin. So, uh, you know, Carson's been great. I mean, he was kind of the star of the offseason. You know, they basically they named him the starter going into it. I mean, it, it wasn't a surprise if you follow the team that he was going to be the starter I, I certainly think they people thought they might have got more out of penny uh, mike davis has been a real surprise he's sort of their backup and, and sort of their third down tailback i think that's a role that people thought penny might have um but mike davis was a guy they claimed off of waivers last year he ended up playing some playing quite a bit at the end of last season and a guy they sort of like so um you know he's kind of he's kind of become their 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 complimentary tailback but you know, the way they view it is they want to run it 40 or so times a game. And when you got 10 games in 10 weeks to end the season, you might need more tailback, two tailbacks to get that done. So that's where they think Rashad Penny might come in eventually. And you stay on the offense. Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator. You know, Bob, I heard rumblings at the beginning of the year like, oh, this this offense may not suit Russell Wilson's skill set. But like anything, it takes time to get comfortable in a new system and the Seahawks certainly look like they've they've gotten comfortable. How would you assess the job that Brian Schottenheimer's done thus far? 
yeah, it's hard to argue what we've seen the last five games. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, there's so, Russell Wilson is such a unique quarterback. That I think people sometimes kind of struggle to figure out what he is. Um, you know, they never wanted to like uh, de-emphasize what Russell's good at or anything like that. And one thing I think people really miss is his role in the running game. Um, you know, they had 42 runs the other day, and you see people like, well, all Russell did was hand the ball off. Well, that's not true at all. Uh, you know, about uh, they probably called 10 or 15 zone reads a game, uh, which are plays where Russell has the option to keep it if he wants. And Russell's the one making the decision of who to hand it off to and where to hand it off to the running back. And so, you know, they really trust him with running the offense in that regard. And, and and go into the zone read if he wants to, or, you know, switching out of it and go into a quick pass or something. If they see that, I mean, um, you know, all their plays have a lot of built-in options into them and, and Russell controls an awful lot of that. And so, you know, they ended up running 42 times the other day because they led 28, seven early in the third quarter. And they, and they just kind of sat on the ball the rest of the game. They didn't throw a single pass in the fourth quarter, but you know, so that doesn't mean they, they don't want Russell to throw it or anything, but they're just kind of picking their spots. And, um, you know, this is sort of the recipe of the 2013, 2014 teams they had. If you go back and look, you know, Russell will probably end up with, those kinds of attempts this year instead of last year when, when he really was just forced to throw it a lot because they couldn't run it and they were behind all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, Russell's been great the last, you know, the last four or five games in terms, you know, when he has thrown it, I think he only has one interception in the last five games and, um, you know, three, three or more touchdown passes. And I think three of the last four games. So he's been really on point and, and, uh, you know, I had the perfect passer rating last week had passer ratings of 120 and 130, I think in two of the three other games, uh, in the, in the last month. So, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's uh, more than happy with, with the way things are going right now. You flip it around, Bob, Seattle, fifth in total defense and you hear about all these defensive names who've departed over the past couple of years from Richard Sherman to Cam Chancellor Cliff Averill Earl Thomas now out for the year how are they getting it done through the first half of the season seems like a lot of young guys who have all bought in for sure and uh yeah I would uh I I, I would think that you know I think some of us some a lot of Seahawks fans might be more surprised by how well the defense has played than, than the offense because, you know, they did sort of load up, like I say, on offense this year, you know, uh, signed Dwayne Brown to a big deal to be their left tackle and, you know, it really made a lot of moves there. Uh, defensively was where you really had a lot of questions about could they could they keep it going that way. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're still quite as good as that defense. I, I think a game like this against a really good quarterback will be a really good test of that. Um, but they've been really good against the run. I mean, their front seven has, has played well in that regard. Um, their pass rush could be better. I, you know, that's an area for sure that, that I think, uh, that I think they would agree is, is probably the biggest question mark defensively, but, uh, Bobby Wagner has played, played great in middle linebacker. Um, they've gotten really good play from some of their other linebackers. who have had to step in. They, they kind of had a rotating core there because of KJ Wright being out, uh, for some of this, but he's back now. And, uh, so that one, you know, that um, they, that tandem of Wright and Wagner, you know, has been their linebacking course in 2012 and they're back and he's healthy right now. So that, that made a big deal against Detroit. Um, a guy named Jaron Reed, uh, one of their uh, third year nose tackle has really taken a step forward this year and has done a, done a really nice job kind of plugging up the middle. And then their secondary has probably been better than people thought. That's, that's probably been the one area that I think has been the biggest surprise, but Bradley McDougal has played, played great at strong safety, uh, basically filling the role that Cam Chancellor had for all those years. They moved Shaquille Griffin over to, uh, Phil, Phil Richard Sherman's spot. Um, at the at the left cornerback position, and he's played really well so far. And then probably the absolute biggest surprise on their team is a guy named Trey Flowers, who's starting at the other corner spot. Uh, Fifth-round pick, played safety in college, but 
um, looks an awful lot like Richard Sherman uh, physically and, and all that. And, and was a guy that the minute they, um, you know, they drafted him, they, everybody kind of made those comparisons and maybe he can, he, he can be that same kind of player. And so far he's been really good. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's kind of held down that other corner spot. So they've been really surprised by that too. Um, so yeah, I, but you know, they got, Philip Rivers this week, Derek Goff next week, Aaron Rodgers the week after that, Cam Newton the week after that. So um, I think this, these next four games for the Seahawks will really tell exactly how good their defense is. Wow, some some great quarterbacks. Now, I'm really interested to see these wide receivers, too, of the Chargers against that secondary, Keenan Allen and uh, Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams. Uh, but moving to special teams, Bob, perhaps the most important player on the team, Michael Dixon, and not only is this guy an invaluable weapon punting the ball, he did something last Sunday out of his own end zone. I don't ever recall seeing. Can you can you walk our listeners through what what happened in the fourth quarter? Sure. Yeah, uh, the Seahawks had a fourth and uh, fourth and eight from their own three yard line, and um, the play snapped with about I think two minutes eight seconds to go. But the but the Seahawks did you know they viewed it as if you know they wanted to run the clock down to the two minute warning and at least waste that. So the the, the play was for Dixon to run around in the end zone and then step out of it, take a safety. They led, they led 28 to 14 at the time. So I think Pete thought, well, we'll, we'll use up the two minute warning and we'll just punt it back to them from the, from the 20, you know, and pin them back to the 10 or 20 yard line. If you do it right, instead of kicking out of your own end zone when, you know, who knows what might happen there and maybe they get the ball in midfield. So that was the thought, <laughs> um, but Dixon took off to the right and just sort of, the Lions were playing pretty passive, just kind of playing for the return and kind of setting up a return. So a lot of guys sort of had their backs turned and 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 all that. And Dixon just sort of saw that the right side of the field looked open and, and decided to just take it and run with it. And uh, so it wasn't called at all. You know, people have been calling it a fake punt, and I guess technically it is, but it wasn't a design fake punt. And it was just him just kind of doing it on his own. And, and uh, he's um, yeah, he's been a real become a really popular player here he's from australia um and went to texas for three years but uh, you know he has a kind of a unique personality and um you know after the game he talked pretty openly about you know that he sort of did just defy the defy the coaches a little bit here by doing that but since it worked out all as well but um you know he even admitted that he didn't really know for sure how far he had to go to get the first down um but he just saw it wide open down the down the right side and thought he could and thought he could make it so um, it, it was a, it was a really interesting play. Bob, what are the Seahawks saying about facing this Chargers team? Obviously, some familiar faces on the other side. You talk about Brandon Meebane, who was there for nine years. Russell Okung won a Super Bowl there, uh, and then of course Gus Bradley making a uh, return to Seattle. Uh, what are these coaches saying about facing the Chargers? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think they know it's a, it's a really big test. It's interesting, you know, the Seahawks and Chargers play every year in the preseason, so um, they do sort of see all these guys every year a little bit, and uh, they, they did again this year. But but you're right, those are two really interesting names, two guys who were really strong leaders of the Super Bowl team, both Meebane and, and Okun there, and, uh, you know, Meebane in particular. I mean, both those guys were, but Meebane in particular was, uh, you know, at the, what year they won the Super Bowl, he was the longest, longest tenured guy on the team, and, you know, he'd been here for, for a long time with the last guy, with links to the Mike Holmgren era and all that. So, um, you know, both really popular guys for sure. And then I think Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator for a couple of years under Pete, uh, left right before the year they won the Super Bowl. But um, certainly, you know, teams that have a lot of knowledge of each other because they, they do basically run the same defensive system. Because, you know, Bradley sort of uh, ran with, with 
how Pete wanted to run and, and it's kind of taken that um, everywhere he's been since then. So I know, you know, I think they'll, they'll, you'll, you'll hear them say all week that they'll be kind of looking at a mirror image that way. And then uh, Pete, uh, Pete Carroll always just raves about Philip Rivers, you know, every time they've ever played the Chargers, I, you know, in 2014, they lost to the Chargers down there. And, um, you know, a lot of people afterward, fans and stuff were, you know, upset about it and stuff like that. That was their first loss after they had won the Super Bowl. Um, but I remember Pete just talking about, hey, sometimes, you know, there's just really good players on the other side of the ball, too. And, uh, you know, I remember him uh, kind of just raving about Philip Rivers. And I know he does every year when they play him in the preseason. He always talks about what a great test it is for their for their defense to play him, even if it's just for a series. So um, uh, certainly I think they, they have a lot of respect for the Chargers coming in here. Bob, we'll get you out of here on this. What do you think is going to decide this game? we got two hot teams. Chargers have won four straight. Seahawks have won four or five. And it's a, a five-star quarterback matchup. Man, I tell you, Russell Wilson versus Phillip Rivers doesn't get better than that. Yeah, I mean, I think for the Seahawks, the, the absolute biggest thing for them will be if they can get what kind of a pass rush they can get. Um, if, if you go look at their numbers, it's been pretty sporadic. They haven't had a great pass rush in some of these games. Um, they, they did against the Raiders, but the Raiders are a really struggling team right now and had a really banged up offensive line. And, and the Seahawks also got a, got a big lead in that game, sort of just were able to tee off on them. But, um, you know, they, they didn't have a great pass rush against the Lions. They sort of just had a timely one. They, they were able to make a couple of plays, uh, when it really mattered, but, um, uh, you know, they, they, they really stopped their run in that game. But, uh, you know, I'd say that, I think they got to, you know, up here in Seattle, uh, because of the crowd, and, and uh, you know it's always just more difficult for home teams, you know, getting getting the ball off in time, and all the linemen here and the staff counts right, and all that kind of stuff. The Seahawks usually have a much better pass rush at home than on the road, and so I think that'll be a, a to me that would be the biggest thing. If Philip Rivers has time to throw, then it could be a tough day. Bob Condota, Seattle Times. Bob, I can't thank you enough for your time. Awesome insight, and we look forward to this one. It's gonna be a good one. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, we'll get to Daniel Jeremiah in a second, but I want to tell you that the Los Angeles Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones 2 to black out distractions and focus on what matters most. The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the LA Chargers. All right, back from the bye, here with Daniel Jeremiah at the Hook Performance Center. DJ, how was the bye, man? Oh, it was nice. Get a little rest, a little yeah. break, and uh, rejuvenated. Any trips? Any trips? No, I think we did enough travel with the London uh, game, so I was very much a uh, homebody. Listen, man, I saw your London experience with money, and I feel like you guys did like we jammed a, a lot in things in like 24 hours. What was the highlight? Yeah, we really jammed a lot in. Uh, look, going to uh, going to the soccer match was a lot of fun. Seeing it was Chelsea and Manchester United. Uh, seeing that in, in person and getting a chance to kind of feel the flair there. So you got and then the soccer a little bit. It was fun, man. I enjoyed. It. I've never. I don't really understand a lot about soccer, so I'm very much a newbie. But I, I enjoyed it over there. You kind of see why it's so popular. And uh, other than that, really, just kind of walking around and seeing. There's so much to see there. So yeah. just just walking around. I know every every night we get back to the hotel room it's like man we went like 10 miles today just yeah, uh, really. just hoofing it around so uh it was man it's a it's a beautiful city we caught it with great weather and man from a charger standpoint it was it was a great game it was great action-packed weekend and i want to start there that last two-point conversion attempt. yeah I, I did a podcast with coach milas i was like walk me through not only the the first one with the penalty but the second one as well what was it like from your vantage point with money watching that that was crazy because uh you know once the once the ball went up in the air it just seemed like it was up there forever and uh, just be able to find a way to get a hand on i thought for sure we would see 
Mariota as a runner, maybe in that situation. But they, they were running they, the ball the whole time. Yeah, they chose to go away from that. So I think they played in the Chargers' hand a little bit. And, uh, and just finding a way. My eyes, to be honest with you, uh, when you get down on the goal line, usually your eyes are trained on 54 because he finds a way to make a play. But uh, this time was in the back end. So 5-2, and two, looking for that first 6-2 and two start since 06. Wow. When they went 14-2 under Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, first seven games, uh, what'd you like? Well, I'll tell you what, playing clean football for the most part, protecting the football, uh, being smart offensively, Phillip just playing at an extremely high level. That's yeah, it. and really you can you know, one of them you can excuse too. So um, you know, he's just he's been outstanding. And then you look at defensively, I think you're seeing them make strides and improvements and getting better, which is what you want to see uh, on a week by week basis. I, to me probably the biggest surprise Coming through, you know, off season and unfortunately with the injury to Hunter Henry, I thought, man, that you know, the tight end position could really be a weak spot here for this team. But the way that Virgil Green's played, you know, Antonio Gates still catches everything that comes his way, and Colkins done a nice job in the run game. Really, as a as a positional group, that to me has probably been the biggest surprise. They've played really well. Yeah, you, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's it's almost been almost a strength when you talk about the, the run, run in the run game. Absolutely, they're outstanding in the run game. And then to me, anything you get is gravy in the passing game, and they've been solid there. So uh, that's been good. And I think the other probably most positive development is is seeing some of these defensive linemen in the, in the absence of Joey Bosa really step their game up. It's valuable rep, CJ. Actually, I was going there next. The, the fact that Joey hasn't been with the team through the first seven games, you look at that probably in December, and, and it could be a benefit when you see the way that Isaac yeah. Michelle's come on, uh, getting Corey Legit back. Just that defensive line in general, not only stopping the run, but getting to the passer. Doing everything, and rolling a bunch of those guys through and keeping keeping one another fresh into the fourth quarter and you saw in the Tennessee game you want to be fresh at the end of the game um, and they've been able to do that Isaac Rochelle just continues to get better and coming to his own Corey Legit coming off of the time he missed has, has stepped right in and been outstanding and You've got uh, somebody like Damien Square who can move around and, and mm. has been very disruptive. So uh, they've done a nice job there. What can you say about winning close games? You know, Coach Miles talked about just the fact that they, they have done it, you know, yeah. against San Francisco, against Tennessee. And those are the things, I think those are like character-building wins and that you store away for December and hopefully January and beyond. Yeah, you're going to find yourself in a bunch of close games. If you can, if you get into the tournament, you get into the postseason, a lot of those games are just one-score games. And so uh, finding a way to make a play when you need to on both sides of the ball and having that pressure on you, I, I think that will benefit you in the future. Now, I, I bet you if you gave them some truth serum, they probably would appreciate some blowouts to go ahead yeah. and put some teams away <laughs> a little bit earlier. Blowouts, yeah, that's, that. that's, uh, but that's something uh, you know, They got we'll one see. in Cleveland. Yeah, they got one there. You, having a laugher every now and then is, is good for you as well. So uh, to me, I just – it's a long, it's a marathon. Everybody says it. It's a, it's a long haul through an NFL season. So you're going to have to find a way to win some close games. You're going to have to have a couple bounces go your way. Hopefully you stay healthy um, and you get better throughout the season. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, if you can eventually add both, so you're, you're adding pieces uh, to your team, you're getting healthier, and you're, you're just improving throughout the year. And they've been able to do that while collecting wins. And they got a tough one on Sunday. It's never easy, regardless of the, the record of the Seattle Seahawks, going up to CenturyLink Ooh. Field and, and trying to win a football game. But this Seattle team has played really, really well, DJ, over the last five games yeah. or so. They couldn't really protect Russell Wilson through the first two games. Since then, they've kept him clean. The running game's clicking, and, and Russell Wilson's playing his best football. Yeah, they're doing some good things. And I thought, you know, Brian Schottenheimer took a lot of heat when he got that job. 
people thought, okay, he's not creative. Even through the first two weeks, yeah, too. and it just said, you know, he's not he's not where the game of football is right now. He's old school, and this is a new school era. And he's kind of shut a lot of people up, to be honest with you. They're running the ball efficiently. They're protecting Russell Wilson and doing it in some creative ways. You see it with six offensive linemen at times when they bring George Fant in there, uh, which, which, interestingly enough, when I watched that game on tape against Detroit – they actually ran him on a deep over route. As you see, number 74. Yeah, you see 74 about 20 yards down the field on a deep over route. So that, that kind of destroys any of your tendencies about any time you have six <laughs> linemen on the field. So that was interesting. Uh, but playing with six linemen, using their wide receivers some to help out in pass protection. Um, so, look, they've kept Russell Wilson clean. And when they keep him clean, he doesn't turn the ball over. They're tough to beat. Based on what Schottenheimer has done in the past and you know you look at those first two games has it been a, a mix of just like him making adjustments c- catering to what Russell Wilson does and then vice versa Russell's just getting more comfortable with what what Schottenheimer's doing well I think first of all running the football I mean if you if you're getting you know number neg- five in the league right yeah now. if you're getting one yard negative yards on first down and it doesn't do you any good you throw all those plans out the window so to me it all starts with their ability to run the ball and if you're looking at it from a Chargers standpoint that's where you have to start you have to stop the run in this game put them off schedule when they're on schedule and Russell Wilson's in third and two third and four third and five um they're gonna be tough to beat so you've got to find a way to win first down in order to put yourself in position to win third last time Philip Rivers was up in Seattle he threw for 455 yards I think the second most all? passing yards yeah. in his career yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he yeah I'll tell you what he's been doing it for so long now it seems like almost every team you play there's an incredible story that goes along with it in Philip Rivers career it's something to be said about this offense though now DJ that you find different ways to win and usually you can grind the clock out with Melvin Gordon you yeah. weren't able to do that against the Titans the Titans yeah. uh, dominated time of possession yet those yeah, quick, quick strikes, scores too those yeah. quick strikes that that first play from scrimmage to Tyrell yeah, three the third play drive. Yeah. from Mike Williams so this team can find a variety of ways to win you know, obviously, you want Melvin Gordon in there. He's going to be a big part of this, the back half. But this team has proven that they can get things done. Yeah, finding different ways to win and having a formula. There's some teams. I mean, you can look at a team, you know, like the Washington Redskins have a very specific formula they need to follow to win games. They've been able to do that. You know, run the football, don't turn the ball over, play great defense. Well, eventually, you're going to find yourself in different types of games. There's going to be some shootouts. It's a great example. And the and the Chargers are equipped to be able to compete in a shootout. Then they have. You know, I have some pieces in place. If you're going to have a grinded-out game, you got to run the ball, and, and you get bad weather. I think the Chargers are built to kind of play that way as well. So um, you want to be able to win in a variety of ways. The best teams in the NFL can do that, and I think the Chargers are in that class. I've heard you talk about teams like the Saints who can beat you in so many different no ways. No question. Whatever game you want to play, they'll play We can it. do it, yeah. In the Redskins are a great example of a team that, you know, I'm surprised that they're 5-2. and two. They're grinding out wins. They're playing well defensively, but – you don't have those explosive weapons on the outside. You don't have speed. You can't get separation on some of those wide receivers. Yeah. It, it becomes a problem in later later in the year. No question. And look, you, there's a lot of people, some a lot smarter people than me, that'll tell you if you just go out there and and protect the football, play efficient. You can win nine or ten games in this league mm. year after year after year. Now, what separates those good teams from the great teams is the teams that again can play in a variety of ways and can can score points when they're needed. And uh, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about the Chargers is that they have that capability of doing that. They continue to get better defensively and be able to close people out. You know, that's that's something you continue to focus on. But 
they, they can play whatever whatever style you know fight you want to have they're they're equipped to be able to compete there's a lot of teams in this league if you go down i use the niners game as an example you go down 14 nothing in a game it's a wrap that's curtains you, yeah yeah you can't you can't come back from that this team i feel like they, they know even when they're down two three scores they can always get back into a game I and mean, we saw that against the chiefs in week one they didn't win it but you know they they were darn near in the, the whole time yeah and you know the challenge is now when you play start playing some heavyweights it's tougher to get away with that so yep. you, you got to be able to string together four quarters you got to be able to get off to a fast start and not put yourself in a hole um so you know that'll be the challenge the Chargers. you look at that second half of the season they're going to see some big time teams now so you've got to find a way to to start fast not put yourself in that hole they did against san francisco and have to to, to pull off a, a miracle pull or Witten would say pull a rabbit out of your head yeah rabbit out of your, yeah. Rabbit out of your head. Yeah, exactly exactly hey i've asked a lot of people this i want to get your take on this as well because I think it was Kevin Harlan last year that told me that, you know, mid-October is when I start to take the league seriously yeah. in terms of who's good, who's not. And those first four or five games are almost an extension of the preseason. If you keep your head above water, win, win some games, you really find out who you are in, in mid-October and beyond. Is that something that you can see uh, throughout this league? Yeah, I mean, look, you can't you can't win the Super Bowl in the first four or five games, but you can lose it. I mm. mean, you, you can put yourself in such a hole you can't climb out. So the whole key is to be to be alive, to be alive as you're finding yourself and figuring out who you are and what you're about as a football team. And, you know, last year's a perfect example. You know, at the end of the year, Chargers are playing as well as anybody. But they didn't, they didn't, they didn't keep their head above water in those first four games, yep. and it didn't matter. So they, what they've done now is I think they're still a growing and evolving team, but they've been able to win games as they're continuing to grow and evolve. Are you surprised by the amount of teams that have traded players away this month. I mean, this this almost felt like an NBA deadline to me, like one of those Major League Baseball deadlines yeah. where a lot more player moving than we're used to seeing in the NFL. Yeah, you know, most of them, you know, it was a mix. Wasn't surprised when you see Denver, you know, making that trade. I thought that was more about creating an opportunity for some of their younger receivers, you know, guys like Cortland yeah. Sutton, to get him on the field. Um, so that one didn't surprise me. The two maybe head scratchers, I would say, you know, Amari Cooper didn't surprise me that Oakland's in a full rebuild. Um, but the two that I kind of a little bit surprising that Detroit would part with Golden Tate when they're very much still alive in that division. It's a great get for Philly. It's a great get for them. He's a perfect fit for the for the Eagles. But that one just from the Detroit side was a little bit surprising. You know, third round picks good compensation, but nonetheless, I thought that's kind of it's hard to say you're not punting on the season when you make that move. And then the other one that just kind of was a head scratch to me was Haha Clinton Dix. Again, same division. The Packers very much alive, and I don't know that they have a better option on campus right now. So I don't know that they were freeing up a spot for somebody they felt better. I don't think they had anybody better than than him. So that one, again, didn't really totally get that one. Especially a team that you may be competing with for a wild card spot who already beat you. Yeah, exactly. You already have I mean? the head-to-head on you, and now you kind of gift-wrapped him uh, for the Washington Redskins. So it was a great gift for them. Yeah. I, I really thought it was a nice move by the Redskins. Well, hey, it's going to be fun on Sunday. Uh, what do you think is going to decide this one? This is a, a five-star quarterback matchup. Oh, it, it's going to be fun. And to me – I think this game comes down to whether or not the Chargers can, can stop the run. If they stop the run, I think they got a great chance of winning this football game. Chris if, Carson, if, man. if Chris Carson and they establish the line of scrimmage and, and they're running the ball and getting 120, 140 yards rushing, it's going to be tough. In that environment against that team, when they limit your possessions and control the ball, they're going to be tough to beat. So to me, that's what this game is all about, stopping the run. Yep. I know one thing, the plane ride's going to be a little bit shorter. Yeah, no, I am looking forward to that. I don't know if you can finish the whole movie. (laughs) You may not be able to. DJ, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. That's going to do it. Big thanks to Daniel Jeremiah, Bob Kendota, Kevin Harlan, John Clayton for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. 
You can find Chargers Weekly and our new Backstage Chargers podcast on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. Enjoy the game this Sunday, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.